I uh, went to college in 1967 when I graduated from high school, and I went for two reasons. One was to stay out of Vietnam. They had what was called a 2S deferment that uh, was you didn't get have to go if you were in college. Second reason is there in my uh, town I grew up in, in the high school there were about 12 girls, and I dated them all. I didn't want to marry any of them, and so my pastor told me if I wanted to find a good wife, go to a Christian college. So I rolled in a college in Portland called Cascade College and and went there wife hunting and uh, found my wife Patty. Uh, it took two years to find her but uh, we got married in 1969. I uh, met her kind of for the first time right about Christmas time and uh, and then I asked her on a date about the uh, second week of January and then we were engaged uh, the 1st of April, and then school was out at the end of May, and she went to California, and I went back to the farm in Washington, and I worked uh, every job I could find during the summer uh, to earn money so I could get married, and so I did, we didn't see each other for three months uh, from June, July, and we got married August 24th. So I met her for the first time around Christmas. First date was middle of January, engaged April, two months, then three months apart, and then I went down and got married. And so she sent me uh, in the mail the vows for the wedding, and she said, I'd like you to memorize these so we can say them from memory. And so I was working on these vows, and one day I remember I got so absolutely just terrified, I guess probably as close a word as I can think of, as I was going through these vows thinking, what am I doing? I had, I don't even know this woman, and I'm making these vows like, uh, these are serious. And, and so I just got a really, I had almost called and canceled it. I said, we need to postpone this a year until we get to know each other a little bit better. But I was a chicken, so I didn't do it. And, uh, but I, I remember I memorized those vows, and I was so um, sober, I guess is the right word, from what I was making a vow to do. And so I got married and uh, made the vows and um, all the while thinking, oh, I hope I can keep these. This is serious stuff. So if you read in the Bible, somebody asked me here not too long ago about the definition of marriage, uh, comparing it with what uh, culture in our country today would define it and what the Bible defined it. And I said, well, in the Bible, they have a term, uh, and that's the word covenant. And... um, God uses the term your wife by covenant. That is, you made a covenant with her. She made a covenant with you. And so they had a a symbol for marriage uh, in the Old Testament. And some of you probably have heard this. It's been used in some weddings that I've been a part of. And that was called a covenant of salt. And uh, part of the ceremony was they would take salt from a... uh, uh, Guy that the husband and the, and the wife to be would take the salt and they would put it in a, con- uh, in a little bag. And uh, the, the basic principle was if we can separate that salt, then we will separate. And so it was a symbol of their, their two lives intermixing, uh, the salt from both of them going together. And so the term covenant of salt is that we're together and, and never to come apart again. And so the term covenant is used a lot in the Bible. And the term literally means a contract, an agreement, a promise, a vow. 
that's made between two parties. And uh, one of the descriptions of God in the Bible is that he is a covenant-making God, that he makes covenants uh, with people, and he has done that from the very beginning. And so the study of the covenants in the Bible is a really fascinating study. And uh, in fact, I took a class on the covenants and uh, took uh, three months to go through all of them and study them in detail, and it was a fascinating study. So we're going to look at it in a little less time than three months. We'll look at it uh, uh, tonight and then again next week and maybe three weeks. So in your notes, number one, God has made various covenants with his people over the years. There's six official covenants as far as... uh, uh, with God and uh, the people, and we'll look at those some in more detail than others. Genesis six eighteen. I will establish, this is God speaking, I will establish my covenant with you. Now, if you look up that little phrase in your uh, handy-dandy little uh, Bible app, that those words, you'll see it's used uh, over 20 times, where God says, I will make a covenant with you. I will establish my covenant with you and you shall enter the ark. This particular one was with Noah and his family. You shall enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. And then uh, moving on to chapter 9. Now behold, I myself, this is God again speaking, I myself do establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you. And so again, God makes, makes that statement repeatedly. I will establish, I will make my covenant with you and most of the time included their descendants uh, for generations. Number two, God's covenants were a combination of promises made and agreements between himself and his people. So God would make a promise in regards to what he would do, and then there would be the uh, commitment on the part of the people what they would do. And so it's just like when I got married. I said vows, Patty said vows. And uh, I, I remember thinking at the time that uh, mine were much harder than hers. <laughs> and I don't remember if they were or not, but uh, didn't turn out to be that way in real life. Uh, she's got the tougher job between us. Number two in your notes. Oh, I just gave that to you. Genesis nine eleven. I established my covenant with you, God again speaking, and all flesh shall never again be cut off by the water of the flood, neither shall there again be a flood to destroy the earth. And so that's God's promise. And so every covenant had a promise. This is what I will do. This is what I won't do. Uh, And so with the one that he made with uh, Noah, it was no more floods. Number three, you notes: each of the various covenants that God made had a sign or symbol to remind people of the covenant. So today uh, in my wedding, what was our symbol? The ring. We gave, I gave a, a ring to Patty, she gave a ring to me, and that ring was the symbol of the vows that we had made. And even in exchanging the ring, there were vows or commitments that were made. And so every covenant that God makes with people, there's a symbol or a sign that goes with it. And the, the marriage covenant in the Old Testament was the covenant of salt. You just had a little bag and you'd wear it around your neck. That was the salt uh, that was yours and, and your bride's. Genesis nine twelve. God said, this is the sign of the covenant which I, will, I am making between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all successive generations. I set my bow in the cloud and so a rainbow, God said, this is the sign 
of our agreement, my covenant with you after the flood was over. I set my bow in the cloud. It shall be for a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. It shall come about when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow will be seen in the cloud and I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh and never again shall the water become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the cloud, then I will look upon it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Now, the reason we're studying covenants is because the new covenant is mentioned in the book of Hebrews more than any other New Testament book in the Bible. It's a major theme in the, in the book of Hebrews. And so you don't understand the new covenant and, uh, until you understand the covenants in general, the principles behind them, the fact that God makes promises and agreements and how they all work together. And so we'll look at all of them uh, a little bit, but we'll look uh, at the new covenant extensively. Number four, each of the covenants had a set of laws that were the people's side of the agreement. So God says, this is what I will do, this is what you do. Most of the covenants were conditional. That is, if they kept their part of the deal, God kept his. Uh, Some of them were unconditional. God kept his part of the deal even if they didn't keep theirs. And one of those is the one that he makes with Noah. Um, It's an unconditional uh, covenant. And so every covenant had a set of laws that went with it. Genesis 9, 4, only you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. Surely I will require your lifeblood from every beast, I will require it. From every man, from every man's brother, I will require the life of man. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man, as for you, be fruitful and multiply, populate the earth abundantly and multiply in it. So, this is the commands that God gave to Noah. Were there ten of them? No, not very many. Don't commit murder was the biggie. And be fruitful and multiply. (laughs) Somebody said to me one time, you're obeying God's command. I said, which one is that? Be fruitful and multiply. I said, uh, am I supposed to do that? Well, it says to do it. He said, uh, do you think that the command that he gave to Noah is still one that we ought to follow today? If that's true, there's some people that are not keeping that one. Um, well, I thought a command was a command. I don't think that one uh, applies to us anymore, though I'm glad I had eight kids. Somebody asked the other day, they said, it seems not very nice or fair of God that he liked Abel's offering, but it didn't like Cain's. It was sort of like favoritism. And I said, well, probably there was a command given by God on how to do a sacrifice that wasn't recorded in scripture but it's implied and the instructions were it was an animal sacrifice and so Cain he he grew strawberries so he decided to do it his own way instead of God's and so he offered a sacrifice to God of of the vegetables or whatever it is that he grew and and Abel did it the way God had instructed and Cain got angry and um and so you know the story. Uh, Cain killed Abel. Uh, but the implied principle there is that there were laws given. God gave laws and it began when Adam and Eve sinned. And he, uh, they, they dressed themselves up in uh, 
fig leaves or whatever those were. God redressed them with animal skins, and with that was probably instructions about animal sacrifice for sins that they would commit now that they were sinners. And so every uh, group of people had laws, though sometimes they're not written down there. Number five, the six covenants that have been made by God are the... uh, Now, these words are just basically after the people. They sound kind of funny. The Adamic covenant uh, that was with Adam, the Noahic covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic or Old Covenant, the Davidic covenant, and the New Covenant. So at the end of the uh, uh, sermon tonight, we're going to have a quiz. And um, we're going to have you stand up and tell me what the six covenants are in order. I think I've shared this with you before, but when I uh, enrolled at Western Baptist Bible College, now called Corbin, they had uh, a class. I think it was called Basic Bible or something like that. Everybody that went to Corbin or Western Baptist at the time called Bonehead Bible. And so when you enrolled, you took a test. And if you passed the test, you didn't have to take Bonehead Bible. And if you flunked the test, you had to take the class. And then you became an object of ridicule by all your friends because it was pretty much uh, third grade Sunday school level material that was in the bonehead Bible test. <laughs> but uh, I remember missing a couple of questions. And um, one of them was, uh, why is the Abrahamic covenant called the Abrahamic covenant? <laughs> I missed it. <laughs> I don't know. And like, oh, it was given to Abraham. That's pretty simple. So the six are named after the individuals they were given to. And we're going to look particularly at the new covenant that's um, referenced in the book of Hebrews in comparing that to the old covenant or the Mosaic covenant. Number six, each of the covenants had a human representative, the one who received the laws from God and, and distributed them to the people. So the Adamic covenant, Adam was the representative, Noah was the representative, Uh, Each of these uh, covenants are named after an individual, and that individual was the one who received from God instructions, and the agreement was made with that individual. They passed it on to family or whoever else was involved in it. Number seven, God made a covenant with Abraham, and the promise was the land and descendants through Isaac. So one of the questions I get asked periodically by people that uh, may flunk bonehead Bible if they had to take it today is I'm watching the news about uh, the Middle East and Israel and Palestine and and all that stuff that's going on over there. And and I hear this phrase repeated periodically. uh, They're uh, talked about the promised land. When did that happen? Who was it promised to? And, and my answer is the first promise of land was made to Abraham. And it was an unconditional um, covenant that God made. I am promising you this piece of real estate that's the size of the Willamette Valley. Uh, it's yours and your descendants forever. Nothing will change that fact. And so it's made with Abraham, remade with Isaac, uh, remade with Jacob. Uh, and uh, so it was a key part of the covenant Genesis fifteen eighteen. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram 
saying, To your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt as far as the great river, the river, river Euphrates. So if you take a bonehead Bible, and the question is, uh, who did God make the promise to regarding the uh, land, the promised land, and you'll know the answer. Abram uh, later changed to Abraham. Genesis 17, 2, I will establish my covenant. Again, that phrase is repeated over and over in the Old Testament. I will establish my covenant between me and you. I will multiply you exceedingly. Abram fell on his face. God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you will be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram. Your name shall be called Abraham. For I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. I have made you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings will come forth from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you, your descendants after you throughout their generations, for an everlasting covenant. To be God to you and to your descendants after you, I will give to you and to your descendants after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. God said further to Abraham, Now as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin. It shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. So each of the covenants has a sign or a symbol. Um, The sign of the Noahic covenant was the rainbow. The sign of the Abrahamic covenant uh, was the act of circumcision. It was made with Abraham, agreed upon by him. Number eight, the sign of the covenant made between God and Abraham was circumcision. <clears throat> Genesis seventeen eleven. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin. It shall be a the sign of the covenant between me and you. The sign of the covenant uh, between me and you. Genesis seventeen thirteen. A servant who is born in your house or who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. Thus shall my, uh, shall my covenant be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. But an uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Number nine, God gave Abraham a set of laws to follow. So here's a question. What are they? How many were there? And the answer is, we don't have a clue. Why? They were not written down in the Bible. And so the question then is, how do we know that God gave Abraham laws to follow? Genesis chapter 26, verse 4. I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven. I will give your descendants all these lands, and by your descendants all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because... Abraham obeyed me and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, my laws. So when you use that many words, do you think there were two? Probably a fairly long list that was given to Abraham from God. And uh, Abraham obeyed me and kept my charge. So God gave a charge, gave commandments to Abraham. My commandments, my statutes, my laws. 
uh, and he was blessed because he kept them. Now, we don't have a clue what they were. Uh, they might be similar to the ones God gave to Moses. They might not be. Might have included stand on your head three minutes a day, salute your wife when you get up in the morning. And, you know, we don't have a clue what they were. But whatever they were, Abraham obeyed them. Number 10, there isn't a list of the laws, statutes, and commandments that God gave to Abraham recorded in Scripture. So I asked this question uh, five or six years ago, and somebody said, the Ten Commandments. I said, "Uh, do you know how many years there were between Abraham and Moses? They weren't contemporaries, no. 400 plus years. So probably wasn't the Ten Commandments unless God gave them twice. Uh, Number 11, God made a covenant with the nation of Israel through Moses. So each of the covenants has a human representative. This is called the Mosaic Covenant or the Old Covenant. Mosaic because uh, Moses was the one who went up on the mountain, received them. Uh, In fact, got them twice. He's the one who taught the people these laws and commandments. He was the representative Uh, of God for the people. Exodus 24, 8, Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Number 12, Moses was the one who received the law related to the covenant and he is the one who gave the law to the people. One of the reasons why we know this is because this uh, process was much longer. Uh, the, the, the whole process of his going up to the mountain, 40 days, coming down, the people sinning, breaking the, the commandments, going up and getting them again. It's a pretty long portion. And then you have whole books uh, in the Old Testament that do nothing but talk about the content of the law. Uh, the book of Leviticus, if you read through the book of Leviticus, you get sometimes uh, you're tempted to speed read it. Uh, because it's not very, uh, doesn't hold your attention very well. Exodus 24, 7. Then he took the book, the book of the covenant, and read it in the hearing of the people. They said, all the Lord has spoken, we will do. We will be obedient. Didn't turn out to be that way, but that was their initial commitment. Exodus 34, 27. Then the Lord said to Moses, write down these words, for in accordance with these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. So he was there with the Lord 40 days, 40 nights. He did not eat bread or drink water, and he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. So Moses got them from God, and he delivered them to the people. Deuteronomy 4.13, so he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform. That is the Ten Commandments. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone. The Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and judgments that you might perform them in the land where you're going over to possess it. Deuteronomy 9, 9, when I went up to the mountain to receive the tablets of stone, the tablets of the covenant, the tablets of the covenant, which the Lord had made with you, I remained on the mountain 40 days and nights. I neither ate bread nor drank water. The Lord gave me the two tablets of stone written by the finger of God. And on them were all the words which the Lord had spoken with you at the mountain from the midst of the fire on the day of the assembly. It came about at the end of 40 days and nights that the Lord gave me the two tablets of stone, the tablets of the covenant. The tablets of the covenant. 13. The sign of the covenant between God and Israel was the Sabbath. 
So that uh, statement is repeated if you, again, use your little Bible commentary uh, cross-reference tool in your phone Bible or wherever you would have that and uh, look up that word sign, covenant, Sabbath. You'll see that's repeated uh, over a half a dozen times where God says, the sign, the symbol of the covenant that I have made with you is the Sabbath. Exodus 31, 16. So the sons of Israel shall observe the Sabbath to celebrate the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant, as a perpetual covenant or the sign of the covenant. <clears throat> and the Sabbath is Saturday. I don't know if you ever thought about when you read the Gospels when Jesus would heal a man on the Sabbath and the uh, high-ranking Pharisees and scribes would get really, really upset at Jesus for doing that. And you think, why in the world do they get so uptight about Jesus healing the guy on the Sabbath? Well, because the Sabbath was the sign of the covenant. And whatever the sign of the covenant was became not just one of the laws, though keeping the Sabbath was one of the ten, it became the most important because it was the one that they would keep and would be the regular reminder of the promise that God gave them as well as their responsibility in, in keeping the covenant. So whatever the sign was became a big deal to the people who had received the covenant, and it was a big deal to the nation of Israel. And it appeared like Jesus didn't care about the sign of the covenant when he uh, would break it uh, so easily, at least according to their definition of it. Number 14, a new covenant was promised by God for the first time by the prophet Jeremiah. Now, you remember the context of Jeremiah. Israel didn't do very well keeping their part of the bargain of the covenant. And so they got captured, uh, conquered uh, in two stages. The northern tribe of Israel was conquered and captured by the Assyrians. And then later, the southern uh, tribe of Judah and Benjamin and Levi were conquered by the Babylonians by Nebuchadnezzar. And so they were in captivity. And at the end of the captivity, Jeremiah began to prophesy. And, uh, and uh, Jeremiah 31 and 32 was a key prophecy. And then we move on to uh, the famous ones, the well-known ones in uh, 36 through 38. But uh, 31, he says, Behold, days are coming. Days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers, in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. That was the Mosaic covenant or the old covenant, my covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, I declare, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it. I will be their God, they shall be my people. They shall not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will know me. From the least to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. So the ultimate fulfillment of the new covenant uh, takes place in the millennium. Uh, called the kingdom in the Old Testament and then in the New Testament in the book of Revelation, we get details of it, that it lasts a thousand years. Jesus ruling on the earth in Jerusalem, Israel being in the promised land. And uh, during the kingdom era who will rule over the nation of israel huh david david will the davidic covenant if we study the davidic covenant he's promised 
to be the ruler of the people and he will establish and he will be established during that kingdom reign that is established when Jesus comes back to the earth and so lots of great prophecy there number 15 the sign or symbol for the new covenant was communion So I'm going to pray right here. Lord, thank you for your word. We do pray that you will guide and direct us through it in the days ahead as we look in the book of Hebrews. And I pray that as we learn about covenants that we will make application to our life that makes a huge difference in how we live. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.